high school player in the country, the current captain of Three's Company in the Big Three, Demar Johnson. How you doing today, brother? Good, man. Doing good. Well, for those most of you who already know and listen to our, our previous podcast, the Barbershop, Demar is my uh, co-host on there. So I found it only fitting that if we're going to start the Let's Rap podcast, who better to start with than my own co-host and personal friend and brother, Demar Johnson. So I want to start off by saying thank you very much for for everything you've done over the years for always being. Uh, um, a good co-host, a good friend, a good brother, and everything. So when I started, when I thought about who I wanted to do my first one-on-one with, uh, I thought you were the obvious choice. So um, just wanted to say on record, uh, thank you for everything that you've done for me and the show and the website. So appreciate man, that. Appreciate you having me, man. All you do for me, also appreciate it. So let's get straight into of all those titles that I just gave you, accomplishments. What, which one would you say you are the proudest of? The being drafted high school career, the college career, big three, whatever the case may be. Athletically, what would you say, if I said give me your your your, your number one accolade, what would you start with? That's a good question. Never asked that question. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the high school stuff was 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 great. And it came fast. I didn't, I just came from playing around Riverdale and, and around Watts, and then next thing you know, I'm like the top player in the country. And back then, I didn't care. I just wanted to play basketball. I was just doing, playing the games that was that was there in front of me. And I, I didn't even know they had rankings at that time. So me being, you know, playing against the best players in the country and people seeing me as, you know, the, the best one, that was, that was, um, that was fun for me. Um, getting drafted though was, was, I can't even say that was a lifetime dream because I never th- thought it was even a, a possibility. reality. Yeah, yeah, where I came from. I didn't know anybody that made it to the NBA, or I didn't even know if I know nobody or know nobody that made it. To the <laughs> right. NBA. I didn't see them guys. I seen them guys on TV and just thought that was just TV. Right. Um, so, but once I once I started to play and people was telling me that, you know, this is probably going to happen for you, you know, I started to look forward to that. So that night getting drafted was big for me. Let's start there. A lot of most players who are in the NBA, the story is similar in terms of they've been a child phenom athlete their entire life. Mm-hmm. Yours is a little different. You you started off your high school career like you said, not even on the basketball radar, not look nationally, not anywhere, not even right. here, not even on your own radar. Right. And but four years later, you went from you know not even thinking about it to the number one ranked player in the country. Mm-hmm. Just walk me through that transition from you know just playing basketball to. You know, people asking if you're going to go pro after your junior year. Right. So I didn't even know there was a radar. <laughs> right. Right. I wanted to be just good in my in my neighborhood. I wanted to be respected there. I wanted them guys to to know that I can compete with the older guys. So I play with against the older guys, and I'm looking at them guys like they're guys because they can dunk and you know they can you know play basketball, but they actually weren't that good in real basketball terms. Mm-hmm. So once I first started playing AAU, um, like my first tournament, you know, the guys who've been playing for years, they're telling me like, okay, that's Kobe and that's, you know, Shaheen Holloway and these guys. And I'm like, all right, what does that even mean? Right. And, you know, they like the top ranked players. And I'm like, they, they rank us? You know right. what I'm saying? All that was new to me. So I, I played my, my first like or tournament, got MVP and I'm asked, I'm like a sophomore at this time, I'm about to be a sophomore. Are you um, going to come straight out of high school? <laughs> I ain't know how to answer that question. It was like overnight for me. And then, you know, I started, you know, running off these tournaments. And they, and I guess they're saying something that they haven't seen before. You know, a guy my, my size. What was your what was your growth spurt? What Speaking of that, what, what, how tall were you at, at, you know, were you your freshman year? How tall were you your freshman year of high school? And then when, when did your growth spurt come? The growth spurt came... Well, from from seventh to ninth, my seventh grade year, I was probably five eleven. Then I was probably six two by the end of my eighth grade year, and then um, my ninth grade year, I was um, which I, I didn't I didn't play that year. I was like six five. Okay. And then when I I was kept back that year, um, then I was up being six nine because I had to repeat ninth grade again. I was six nine by then. Okay. Then I was then six nine. Okay, so go ahead. So you're you're going around the country and yeah, and I'm and I'm noticing um, Curtis Malone, who's my coach. He, 
he was he was showing me off a lot. Like he'll bring these guys in the gym, and he'll say, like I'll have to stop him half court, do a crossover, and just take off. He like, hey DJ, do that. Um, show them something. Do that. So I do that, and the guys would just be going crazy. I'm just having fun. Um, so then once that translated to to the court, and I'm going around the country playing against these guys, and you know. I'm starting to see people kind of, you know, taking a lot to me. And um, I remember we played against Lamar Odom in the championship of one of these tournaments. And, you know, at this time, Lamar was the best player in the country. It was before Tracy really, because Tracy stormed on the scene. Tracy McGrady. Yeah, Tracy McGrady stormed on the scene late too. At ABCD camp, nobody knew who he was. Lamar was the man for a few years. And Lamar was like, um, hey man, watch this kid, watch this, you know, his crossover, this, this and that. And, after that game, um, their coach was the one that was that was real cool with Sonny Vaccaro. Uh, the Lamar Odom's coach? Yeah, the coach. Wasn't um, somebody else on that team? Is that not the team with him yeah. and Elton Brand or, no, or that, that Ron was, Artest was, or something like that? That was Riverside, but he had, he had some guys on that team. Okay. Um, Khalid, Khalid Alamani, mm -hmm. he played a few tournaments with him, but he had some really good, really good New York, you know, high right. D1 players on that team too. But after that game, Things just changed. Yeah, it changed. It was like Gary. Gary uh, was there. I forget his last name. He, he was the coach for the Martin team. And he was talked to Curtis and, you know, spoke to me. And, and Sonny McCurl came in and played. And basically, it was like, you the next one, basically. So, one Sonny, so you went from not even on the radar to Sonny says, I guess, kiss you on your forehead and says he's the one. And then, <laughs> yeah. boom. You're, yeah. And then, then you're the one. Basically. Does life just change drastically for you? Like when you after this, you come back from this camp, and it's just now is this light bulb going off? Like, yo, I'm the one. Yeah, I said no. Um, at that time, I I didn't really care. Okay, it's like okay. Then I go to ABCD camp, and I, I do I do very well. They have the best underclassmen, even though I'm a sophomore. I was the best underclassman there, and that's and they were saying I was the best player in the country, even though I'm not. I was the underclassman, and um. So people did start start to, to to treat me a lot a lot different. So then now from there we get to that point. So obviously junior year, senior year goes. You go to Maine, end up playing on a high school basketball team with you and Karan Butler, mm -hmm. uh, one of those um, prep schools, Pack Powerhouse. Your decision comes that you get to decide you are actually good enough to go straight to the NBA out of out of um, high school mm -hmm. or go to college. In hindsight, now that you look at it, you went to college, you went to Cincy. So I guess we'll do this in two parts. One, what what was your decision like that made you say, you know what, instead of going to the pros, I'm going to go to college for one year? And two, how you feel about that decision now in hindsight? At that time, I basically was listening to Curtis and Sonny. Um, what they what they said we were going to do, we were going to do. Um, I mean, I had the final say, but I just I trusted those guys. Mm -hmm. Coming out of high school was something that I always thought I was going to do from coming once, yeah once once my name got that big I wasn't even I wasn't looking at colleges really like I wasn't taking business I wasn't even paying college no no mind um and then when it came down to the end after the McDonald's game it was really Jonathan Bender had that great McDonald's game scored 30 points, 30 points right he um he took he took a lot of the momentum at that time for our class um Cause I could have still came out, um, but Sonny was like, "Come on!" But you know, but right now, you know, you're looking at it like a late lottery, something like that. You're too good of a player to risk that. You can go into your workouts and kill and move up, mm -hmm. but you know, they a lot of people saying that you know you, you can get stronger. And um, and Bender was just as skinny as I was, but you know, he like I said, he had that momentum from that McDonald's game, so. It was like, okay, well, you know, let's do a year of school. And um, what we was trying to figure out what, what schools to go to, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, because by this time, guys had signed all over the country and they didn't even think I was going to school. They wasn't even really recruiting me like that because they just knew I wasn't going. Um, so then it came down last minute. Um, Cincinnati had a really good weight program. And even though I was an Adidas guy and they were Jordan, you know, Sonny was cool with that. So I knew he was going to have a good team. I knew I would get stronger, which is really ultimately what they wanted to see. 
um, that's that's that played a big part in, in, in me going there and just being comfortable with Coach Huggins. Okay, for just from our own personal, my own personal thing in my family, Maryland, right here in Maryland, grew up about a stone's throw away from College Park. <laughs> I've heard the story a thousand times. Your experience, recruiting experience, as the number one player in the country, <laughs> Maryland's Maryland sales pick, Gary Williams' sales pitch to you was what? It was ba- it it wasn't even much of Gary, but the assistants. It was basically like you you should you should be honored to to you should feel honored that we want you to come to our school. And want well, everybody else in the country telling you they'd love to have you. Yeah, well, yeah. I, Maryland you know, told you that you should love to come here. Everybody kissing my butt basically in Maryland, like basically like man, look, we ain't tripping, we ain't tripping. You should. <laughs> You're glad, I'm glad you can meet me, <laughs> basically. And you actually grew up wanting to go to Maryland. Yeah, I mean, I grew up a North Carolina fan, but right. I would have loved to, to go to Maryland. And and Steve Francis was, he basically was like, um, man, come 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 back here, I'm going to stay, and all that. I'm like, come on, Steve. Steve wasn't staying. Yeah, come on, you're not staying in right. school. Like, right. I know damn well, well you ain't staying in school, so don't even keep it real with me. Don't have me come here. Right. You gone. <laughs> come on, bro. Right, right, so, right. But it would have been, it'd have been, you know, fun to go to Maryland. Okay. Now you get to Cincinnati, right? So you come in as the highest ranked player in the country, whatever the case may be. Tell me about the jump from high school basketball to Division One, highest level. UNC was ranked number one in the country for the majority of that season. What, what, did, what was your transition? What did you think it was like? What did you think it was going to be like? And what did it end up being? Like, you know, were you like, oh, I thought it was going to be easy, and it wasn't easy, or I thought it was going to be hard, and it turned out to be easy. Right. Um. Was it wasn't easy, but um, what what I thought going in is basically I was gonna have to do a lot more scoring than I did, because at that time you know Kenya wasn't a scorer. Kenya averaged ten or eleven points the year before. I knew he was an athlete, a defender, but that summer he got better, and that year he just was getting better and better, and we relied on him to do the majority of the scoring. He he basically took over, and you know made himself into the number one player. In the country that year, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't know he, he was capable of doing the things he was capable of doing. I knew it'd be good. I just thought me and Satterfield would probably do, the scoring load. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I I took I took a back seat, and I mean I still I was like twelve point six, um, and still you know that was good enough for them to see. I mean my hype was so big at that time. I probably had to have a zero point zero, you know, to to not be still be able to come out, right? Because they knew what I can do. It was just about getting stronger. So that's the only thing that really it was different from what I expected. I was just because I was always, you know, I'm coming from even when playing with Karan and all these other D one players and and Maine my senior year, you know, having twenty seven points like easily. You know, I'm thinking I'm gonna go into college, you know, and, and do the same thing. But then you just didn't weren't so when you got to college it wasn't that you said, Man, I, I couldn't score, it's just that you weren't asked to. For the no, first time, yeah, probably you yeah, weren't yeah. asked to score definitely, as much. Definitely that I wasn't that I couldn't because you know I had games where I, I was scoring easy and you know we beat the team so much I'm not even playing much. You know the second half, um, it, I didn't feel like teams were stopping me. It was just we were. Run, I was just always been like a coachable team player. Coach would like do this, I'm gonna do that. You know, and I just ran out of stuff and took my shots. But the ball was the ball was going to King. If you had a chance to do this whole situation over again, would you have gone straight to the pros, or would you have done that one? Year? Would you stay? Would you stick with the decision to do one more year of college? One year of college. Excuse I me. I think, I think me, me going to college has that year has really worked out for me, especially like now by me being back in Cincinnati and back in school and see how how the people there treat me because I went to their school and I didn't even think they would remember me like that. Um, I did that one year and I was out of there. But when I went back there, it's like they remember specifically like games and they, cause they, that's the year where they look at like that was our championship year. Right. If Kenya don't get hurt, we win a championship. I still hear that all the time, you know, and I've been there two years um, that that was our year. So they remember me from that year and I was the highest recruit they've ever had come there. So they, they remember that stuff. You know, they, they take, People take their college teams serious, and I didn't. I didn't know that. So now I've always had a home in Cincinnati. If I didn't, if I didn't um, go there, then after I finished playing, like, like what do right. I do? Right. Now I have a chance to go back and coach, 
and go back to school um, to finish finishing my school. You know what I'm saying? And that's like my home for life. Right. I, I See, I, I agree. And that's why I think that's awesome that you get to speak on that and that, you know, even going to the high school, I mean, say whatever you want about Kobe, LeBron, these guys, obviously greatest NBA careers of all time and, you know, hats off to them. But they're not an alumni of anywhere. Right. They don't have a home to in terms of at that level, you right. know what I mean? Which is, like you said, one of the best experiences ever, you right. know what I mean? And and they and your colleges, they do love their they, they do love their athletes. That's not mm-hmm. just Cincinnati. Um, they love their own, you know what I mean? And it's a, it's a fan base, and it's always something to fall back on. So I think I think that's great that you did go to Cincinnati, and that's an aspect that I, uh, an opinion that I value. When you go to college, excuse me, you leave college after one year. You're the drafted sixth overall to the Hawks. Now, give me your now this transition from college to the NBA. You're only 20 years old. Uh, you're a millionaire instantly. Um, what transition was harder on the court or off the court? Um, on the court, probably off the court. I, I didn't think neither transition was, was was that hard. It was just mostly about the opportunity. I felt like when I got my opportunities, I did well. The opportunities just wasn't there. I mean, I, I practiced well. I loved to play. Um, off the court, um, it wasn't really, it was just, I had money there. I could buy whatever I want. Um, just me and my friends, you know, hanging out in Atlanta and then going to play basketball. I mean, it, it kind of it kind of went by pretty fast. I didn't think neither was, was, was that hard for me. Um, I don't know what I would have done different because I always, always love to play and work on my game. When when you get to the NBA, is your first time playing in the NBA practice, let's even say, do you say to yourself, like, yo, these dudes are, can really play? Or are you just, they just well, other guys that you're playing basketball with? It's really not that big of a deal. It was, it was, it was basically that. I mean, I, I didn't look at, not, not really in practice, like, you know, these dudes can really play. I mean, I, they could, but. I had um, I had worked out, you know, with pros and played against pros, and they, they wasn't it wasn't overwhelming to me at all. Your first NBA game, tell me about that. Um, first M- NBA game against Charlotte Hornets. Um, get uh, get in the game, and I'm checking um, Jamal Mashburn, and I get a quick foul. Then less than a minute later, I get another foul. <laughs> I get I get two two quick ones. Um, Coach looking at you already. Um, I wasn't really paying. I wasn't paying attention to him, but I just know that that t- that game I was at it out that time. That time was shortening the game because I think I got like two three quick fouls, and I was out of the game. And then, then all three of the fouls were on Mashburn. Yeah, I think two of them was probably BS, but one of them I, I definitely fouled him. He just was he just was strong. You know, I'm, I, I, I excel at guarding one-on-one because I'm used to, you know, playing one-on-one. I grew up playing, you know, street ball, and I can guard the guys just trying to take me one-on-one. He's just strong. He's trying to, like, seal me in a pulse, stuff I wasn't really used to. Um, and I picked I picked up some quick ones, and it was over for that first game. <laughs> what about, did he say anything to you? No, I didn't say anything. He didn't say anything to you? And so just that fast, your NBA, your, your first game, you're in and you're out in less than you know five minutes, and and what do you, so at that night, what do you think of yourself? Like, damn, what the hell? If we play again tomorrow, you know, I, I didn't really dwell on it too much. I, I was like, man, some of them calls were some BS, rookie calls. I feel like it was, you know, on a bet, but that, that game was over. Who was the one player that you like maybe grew up watching besides Mike, obviously that when you got a chance to play, like, hey, I can't wait to get to the NBA and play against this guy. And what was that like the first time you stepped on the court against that guy? Um, besides Mike? You're right. Not sure. Not so then sure. what was your first experience with Mike then? Well, we, we, he, the first time he came, when he came back and he played, he played us in Atlanta. I didn't, I didn't play that game. He, um, he killed, he probably had 30. Okay. Um, and I didn't get a chance to play against him. And then when I um, first time when I played in Washington, he didn't play. He was injured. And um, then I finally got a chance to play against him. The second time we we came to Washington, and um, 
and that was that was a little um, like overwhelming for me because of who who Mike was to me. Um, I remember I tried to um, I tried to call, call some over and he didn't find me. He was like, I'm not Rick. So okay. I'm thinking he seen like you know called Rick the game before he was you know he was paying attention. And um and then I remember when he um left me to go double on Sharif Abdul Rahim Sharif passed him I hit a three and I'm not a trash talker by no means. And, but <laughs> when I made the shot, I was just like, you know, I wanted him to know who I am. Like, I'm like, don't, this is what I do, don't like. Don't, don't leave me over. Yeah, don't leave me to go double. You know what I'm saying? Shoot the shot in my sleep. And um, he said, okay, show you what I do. So, you know, so you said to Mike, don't, you know, you said something yeah, to him. And he said, said, this is what I do. Like, uh -huh. don't, don't, don't leave me, this is what I do. So he goes down and um, puts me in a post, lay up easy. You know, and I'm like, I'm taller than Mike. Like, mm -hmm. he shouldn't be able to just easily just back me, just slide up under me, shoot a layup. And then again, he gave me a post. I think I might have went for a pump fake and got the file on me. You know, he, he had, this this what I do. And that was like the, the exchange I, I, I remember with him. But um, he, he played. I, I played well that game too. Though. So playing Michael Jordan at the end of that, you just like, wow, I just played. I just played against Michael Jordan. Yeah. While it's going on, are you like I'm actually out here guarding Michael Jordan and playing against Michael Jordan? No, nah, not while it's going on. I mean, I I do remember when I blocked his fade away. I was like, they could never take this away from me. I just blocked Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan shot, and what would show up on his his highlights? He got like a top ten, I think highlights some prize a wizard or something. But mm. and people be tagging me and stuff all the time because one of them is him blocking my shot. I'm like coming on a fast break and like Larry Hughes like slide under me. I'm trying to get beside him and shoot a little layup. Mike came out of nowhere and we got that out of there. Tore it up. <laughs> so yeah, so your first two years in in Atlanta go by kind of up and down between playing time, um, starting, not starting, just just young, twenty twenty one, you know, learning the NBA. And then unexpectedly out of your third after your third year? After my second. After your second year, you get into a car accident and you break your neck. Mm -hmm. And um Forget basketball. They're talking about whether you're going to walk again. Mm -hmm. What's going through your head when all of this is going on? Um, now this this game that's giving you so much, mm -hmm. this life that you, you know, just looks like it's just basically snatched away from you. I was naive to how serious it was because I was just like, I'll heal and I'm, I'm going to be playing again. Like, I never thought for a minute that, that I wouldn't. You know, people was looking at me like it was over. And I'm like, nah, it's, it's not over at all. Um, I mean, I had no, no knowledge of, you know, what happens when you, you know, these the injuries I had in my neck and what I had to do to, to get back. I mean, I knew my body felt fine. I just had no range of motion in my neck. So, you know, my, even my financial people like, man, you could just collect insurance money and retire and all that. I'm like, nah, that, was, that wasn't even a thought. I was like, oh do this we have and I'll be back playing before the years out basically. Really? So you yeah. never even bought never even crossed your mind that you wouldn't play basketball? Well, again? And I was healthy before the years out. Yeah. They didn't they didn't allow me to play even though I was clear. I went through my rehab, um and I healed faster than they thought I would and I was out there trying to practice and trying to play. Um I, I was ready before the year was over. They let me practice a few times but they wasn't gonna throw me on the court. So then now, the, the, at, the end of the, at the end of your fourth season, the Hawks clean house upstairs, and your GM is gone, he drafted you? This is the, uh, the end of the third year that I didn't play. Okay, end of the third year. Mm -hmm. And you now find yourself out of the league mm -hmm. at, what is this, 23 maybe? 20, 20, 22. 22. So, it was 23. Yeah. So, so at 20 years old, you're on top of the world. 23, mm -hmm. you're out the NBA. Mm -hmm. you kind of thinking, like, what the hell? Like, you know, this is this is crazy. Like, how am I here? Nah, I mean, I don't know why I just always just have this positive mindset. Um, what my, my GM told me, basically, oh, you got to get healthy, you'll get your... Cause they, they, they didn't sign me for my um, my option. Mm -hmm. you, um, you get healthy, you know, we'll sign you for your option. Basically. I got healthy. He gets fired. That don't happen. 
So, yeah, now, now at 23, I'm, I'm, I'm looking like a liability to teams that they're not trying to take a chance on, a, you know, a kid who got four fractured vertebrae. Um, so now it's about going out there and proving that I'm not, you know, fragile. So, you know, that summer, I was basically just trying to, you know, just throw my body around and get knocked down as many times as I can and show them that I'm going to get back up, that I'm, that I'm fine. Like, everywhere I go, I got to keep getting the same x-rays. I'm like, bro, I just did this, you know, last week. Look at there, it's just the same. It's not changing. Right, right. Everywhere I go, they're looking at my neck and seeing all these doctors for no reason. And But it's just what I had to go through. And now, now it was, it's been a, it's, it was an uphill battle. You know, you find yourself in the on. ABA, the yeah, the, what was some other leagues that you played in? Um, well, the ABA, ABA, then I was back to the NBA after that. Okay, it was, um, it was, it was Phoenix Suns training camp, and then, um, ABA, and then New York Knicks. Okay, so now let's fast forward, and you are you get a 10 day contract with the Knicks. So, this is actually to me. What's it, well, I know for me, but to you, what was more special? What the the first time you stepped on the court as an NBA player, or the first time you stepped on the court for the second time into the NBA? You know that you're a Knicks. You you went from out the league. People say you'll never play in the NBA again, and then boom, you're on a ten day contract. You got a shot, and you step on the court as a New York Knick. What's like? What which moment was bigger to you? The the first one. Really? Because because. At that time, you know, when I, when I was in the ABA, and I, and I had fun in the ABA, and I, and I, and I, and I killed. Um, but when I went back to the, to the NBA, it was like, I feel like I'm supposed to be here. It's not, I've been healthy. Mm. I've been able to play. It's just nobody took a chance of me. It's like, I'm, I feel like I'm better than, you know, a lot of them guys that were in the NBA. I'm supposed to be here. That's okay. my mindset. So so that's so so it was definitely the first time. So the second one was more like, this is where I belong. Yeah. So it wasn't really no monumental thing like, wow, I'm back in the NBA. So you uh, like, it was like back where I belong. It was a relief. It was like, okay, finally I'm back and putting on the NBA jersey and playing in the garden. That was that was super cool. Um, but I, I did feel like that's just where I, I belong. Now you finish out that year with the action. You play very well. They signed you for the rest of the season. I want to say you start a playoff game, or, or, or you played in the playoffs. I played in the playoffs. Played, I started playing the playoffs, and um, boom! So now you're fully back in the NBA, and you sign with the Denver Nuggets. You are on a actually very, very talented uh, Denver Nuggets team. You reunited with your college teammate, um, Kenyon Martin. Um, that that Denver team was just loaded with talent uh, in your whole time there. Um, but it just never seemed to be the sum of its parts. Right. Looking back now, and from the outside looking in, why? We had a we had to play the Spurs. You know, we we had a very talented team, um, and especially when George Carl first got there, we we won a lot of games. We were like that's I, he started me when he got there, like the whole second half of the year. Um, yeah, we we went like thirty and four or something. For the rest of the year, and we, we were playing well, we were feeling good, um, and we, we even had like a three-game win streak against the Spurs from the regular season. Then we won Game One in San Antonio, but then Pops just turned on, turned on the Pops, and them guys. When we win the first game, then lose four in a row, and we out the playoffs in the first round because um, basically because because of the Spurs, and if we played them dudes in pickup. We'd kill him. But playing him, being coached by Coach Popovich, even though we had a more talented team, they just managed to, to just do the right things to, to win. Got you. Got you. And that's and that's uh all the whole time that you're there. I mean the West the West back then is 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 stacked. Um while you're there, you played with a very intriguing player to me and Carmelo Anthony. The spectrum, the the some people think he's, you know, one of the best to do it. Some think he's just a straight bum. Why does Melo get such a bum rap? And when you look at his accomplishments and his accolades and what he has accomplished, why does he get such a bum rap? And what is he like as a teammate? I guess 
because the other guys that he came in in the draft with got rings, except I mean Darko. Darko might got one. I mean, if he does, it's yeah, you know, right. He didn't, he didn't help right get it, but um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, after a while, when they when they build you up, they they definitely gonna find a way to break you down. And if you give them any room to do that, they gonna you know <laughs> push it to the max. Um, Melo, Melo was a was a, a good teammate. I mean, we we all were pretty pretty close on that Denver team. Um, he he do the scoring, and you know we we fill in, and you know guys do play their roles and. That that worked for us. He was he was a scorer. When he wanted to strap up, play defense, he did. You know he may not have done it the whole game, but if you know for he'll show you, you know I can you know do this do this if I want. You know what I'm saying Melo was young at the time, but he was he was fun to watch. Man, he was he was unguardable. As 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 one of the players who would be a so Melo's the star, you'd be a supporting cast sort of guy, and especially in your position, your job is a shooter. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find? Did you ever find yourself? Just being like, yo, dude, pass the ball. Um, maybe not say it to him, but just in your head, do you, I've, or do I've you been, just accept it? I've been. There's times I feel like I've 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 been open, but not just me. George Carr used to hate something that Melo did. It was funny, is when a double team comes. You know, instead of like you draw the double, you pass it. Melo pump fakes the double, <laughs> and then go go into a shot. But he's hit that shot so many times. It's like, okay, all right, well. You know, that's you, you can do that because right. you, you you make those shots. But Coach Coach Carl hated it, and um, but you know that's just what he that's just who he was. He was a scorer. That's a, that's all he's been asked to do now. But a, a team like the Spurs, you know, Tim Duncan is is making that pass out of the double, and you know the ball is moving and they getting shots, and that was just how that team, you know, was made up. But I, I believe as Melo got older. He, he he started to make them passes. And like after I left, um, when you know when Chauncey came on the team, and even in, in New York, he started to make them passes. But he was young; he averaged they going almost thirty points a game. You know what? Now in your last year there, they trade for Allen Iverson midseason. Um, what was that like? Joining having the Iverson join your team, and and just how did how did the, how did things change? You went from having being Melo's team to now, you know, where you're adding a league MVP to the team. What was that? What was that like? Just adding Iverson to the locker room, adding Iverson to the court. Allen Iverson is basically a rock star. Adding that to your daily life as a team. Um, we like we added a rock star. Like it was, it was the craziest thing. Um, Melo was one of the best players in the league at this time. And um, but his how, how people see him and Allen Iverson is, is still not even close. When we go into a away game, you wouldn't end up in a star lineup. It's like you know, Carmelo Anthony, boo, Allen Iverson, the opposing team fans cheering for Allen Iverson. You know, they're supposed to be booing our whole team, and it's like you know, wherever we go. Everybody, this is before social media, but everybody got their phones in his man face. Nobody, nobody really was doing that to Melo. And and Allen was more, you know, he'll 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 show his face places. You know what I mean? Me and Allen, because this was when Melo and Jr. and them got in a fight in New York and they were suspended. And um, Kenya was hurt, so it was really me and AI, you know, together like every day. So I'm saying firsthand like how much of a rock star this this dude is. And like I said, I'm like, that's crazy because maybe because they, they relate more to him because he's smaller and, you know, he just act, acts like himself and, you know, all all real, nothing fake with him. So people take to that. But, it, like, being around that dude every day, man, like I said, it's like being around a rock star. And what was that like watching them together on the court, Melo and, and Iverson? Um, well... You know, it was something that needed some some time. I mean, they 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 played well. They had their Allen had his games, and Melo. They both scored. I remember having a conversation with with Allen. He just was like, "This is his first time." Like <laughs> he said, he was on a break, and 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 he felt like Melo looked him off. He was like, "Man, I ain't never like been you know look 
looked off that play before. He was like, man, but, you know, that young boy, you know, a bad MF. So, you know what I'm saying? He is cool. He's like, man, I got four scoring titles. He can have that. I just want to win a championship, man. He can he can have all of that. I done done all of that. All I want to do is win a championship. I ain't never won no championship. So he didn't really care about the accolades like that. He was just trying to win. After that season is over, you um you don't resign with Denver and you actually head overseas. Mm-hmm. Now this is your first time overseas. Mm-hmm. What's that like? Um man, it was it was dreadful. The place I went to and I really the money was good but I just was like okay now I'm in the bathrooms man like there's everything about it just wasn't what I was used to so I'm, I'm I really didn't didn't go into that you know with the right mindset because I'm like okay once I got there and once I once I, I was there for you know a month or so Started getting homesick, started, you know, looking at guys that's signing in the NBA, looking at dudes' stats over there. And I'm like, man, I'm so much better than these dudes. Right. And it's like, man, I got to get back to the NBA. This over here, how they how they play, this, this just ain't for me. I didn't really care about the money that they was paying me. It was like, man, I'm an NBA player, man. This ain't for me. Call my agent, please get me out of here. And then that's when you come back to the States, um, sign with the Spurs. Take a trip to the D League for shorts. Tech. What were we there? About a month, less than a month. No, I was there. I was there longer than I thought I was going to be. I was there for probably a month or two. Got called up. They got sent back down. Then called back up. And then you played with the Spurs, mm-hmm. and uh, you finished out the season with the Spurs. That year they played against the. They lost to the Lakers mm-hmm. in the conference finals. Right. What was that like? Just being part of after being in that Denver locker room, mm-hmm. uh, being a youngster. Now you're in. Spurs locker room and you guys are playing the Lakers for a champ, you know, for the right to go to the finals and all of that. Just what was that experience like being in the Spurs locker room after being in the Denver locker room and other locker rooms as a whole? Well, I, I quickly I quickly realized okay, this is why they beat us all the years. You know, them dudes is just they just walk around like champions and you could just feel the energy. You know, everybody gets along. Everybody's just everybody just know their job. They they know their roles, and if they they just know they're gonna win. And I, that was the first time I just felt. And these aren't the best basketball players in the world. I, I had better talent in Denver, but these dudes who just knew how to win, and they knew their leader was going. Coach Pop was going, you know, get them there. I quickly seen. That pop wasn't a joke. My first practice there, he basically told Tony Parker, he was like, man, my wife could have literally been you last night in that game. You didn't do anything. <laughs> and, and I never seen um, a, a coach talk to a star player that way because George Carl would, he would tell me, I'm because I'm, I know I ain't do nothing wrong. And he talking to me and he's like, I'm speaking to Melo through you because I can't really talk to him. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to talk to you through Melo. Pop the opposite. If he got a problem with his star player, he's going straight to him. He's going straight to him. Tim, Tim get it as good as anybody. Tim, Tony, all them guys. You know, he, he one time he, he um, made everybody get off the bus, go sit in the grass after a game in Sacramento before he went to the plane. And the grass was still a little wet because it was like in the morning. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll buy you new clothes. Because guys like, they want to sit down. I'll buy you new clothes. He just kind of went off on everybody. He made you guys sit in the grass? Yeah. <laughs> For what? Because he wanted to talk. He couldn't talk on the bus? Uh, probably just probably media, media on the bus. Oh, uh, okay. And, me, and, and the Spurs let, let your wives travel with you, too. So he just wanted to talk to his team. And he was okay. going off on everybody. Bruce Bowen, you, 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 you're a prima donna now. They tell you you can play some defense. You ain't played defense. In a long time, you just this and they kind of went down the line and was going off from God. And, and, he, and when he talks, he everybody right. just shuts up and listens. He talked everybody shut up and listens. I just never seen a coach that's so right. You know, even George Carl's a good coach, but sometimes, I mean, even all coaches, they, sometimes they'll say something to players like, I don't know about that, bro. You know, <laughs> pop, pop always made sense. It was always right. And it was just night and day being there and being. And, and, um, endeavor, but the only problem was, 
I didn't know how to get minutes because we didn't practice. We didn't like play five on five in practice. We go in there, run over offensive plays, and then guys go their own way and shoot. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to. In Denver, we battling. Mm -hmm. We practice. The starters is the bench players is trying to you know beat the starters every day. It's 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 a battle, and I, and I like that. So I like to play. Right. So I'm like, man, please let me get a hold of Brent Berry and Bruce Bowen and like. Let me get a hold of these dudes. I couldn't do it. It was just, you know what I'm saying, going there, run over the offense, then go shoot. Is Tim Duncan as stiff as he looks? Yeah. You say yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is? Okay. So that with that, was the whole does the whole organization kind of just feel stiff? Like the is the you know, the locker room, the practices and stuff like that. Does it is it does it I would picture a Spurs locker room shoot around practice being like being at the library, you know, in terms No, no, no. You mean stiff as far as personality yeah, wise? Yeah. I thought you meant like like physically. Oh yeah. Well no, no, that's not up for the beach. Yeah, definitely like right, that. Right, right, right. Oh no, no, no. All them dudes are jokesters. Really? Yeah. All them man, it's a it's a it's a playful even Pops, he's a jokester. He gonna he get on you but I mean, gotta love Pops. I mean he he he, he joked too. The whole team is jokesters. There's no like I said, there's no bad energy or tension around them locker rooms at all. Maybe <laughs> Kawhi had problems there. Right. This is not the first I ever heard of, but everybody walk around like a whole family and and, and with great energy. Okay. It, it just looks like it would be very boring and very uh you know, jokes no, frowned they, on. You ain't see the picture that um that I posted one New Year's we doing karaoke, me and Tony Parker and, and another guy Keith Langford that that got called up and you know, everybody was there. It was it was a really relaxed um but like I said, I used to hang out with um, Tony and his wife, Eva, at that time. They had a restaurant in L.A. And we used to, it, it was fun. At the end of the season, um, the, the Spurs don't re-sign you. And again, you find yourself, um, after that After that season is over, mm -hmm. did you ever cross your mind that you wouldn't be in the NBA the next year? Or not, at all. not at all. I didn't. I thought I would play the NBA until 40. Um, yeah, I mean, you just, you just never know. It's, it's you can't predict it. It just it just ended up happening. Um, then took my talents overseas. Then you spend your next the rest of the, uh, I guess almost a decade now. I guess I didn't even realize it's been that long. Mm -hmm. All over the world, playing mm -hmm. here, there, and everywhere. What's that like? Just going all over the country, all, all over the world. Excuse me, mm -hmm. playing basketball. You know, some cities are good, some cities are bad. Some countries are good, some teams mm -hmm. are good. So just as a whole, just knowing that you basically every so months, so many months are going to be on the other side of the globe. Right. I, I mean, I experienced, I experienced a lot that if, if I wasn't, if I didn't get my accident or, you know, in, in, in been out of the league, I, I wouldn't have seen none of the places that I've seen by being able to travel and play basketball and get paid to be there. Some places, some places were, were, were bad. I didn't like China. China paid the most, but China, what was it about China that you didn't like? The food, it, it, ironically, the Chinese food here is better than the Chinese food there. I didn't like, I didn't like the food. I didn't like, um, like the people were just rude, um, smoking in the gym. It's, <laughs> it's, it's freezing. It just, it just, it just, it just wasn't for me. Wasn't I, didn't, for you. I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it at all. Again. I'm a dude who don't care about money like that. I'm like, man, just F this money, man. I, I, can't, I can't live here like that. Um, so China, China, China was probably the worst place I've been, but I've been a lot of nice, nice places also. I had a lot of nice experiences. So, so you, so you would say you're happy with, you're okay with the whole process of going overseas and and where basketball is taking you. Seeing yeah. different parts of yeah, the world I mean, and whatever the case may be. Yeah, it could have, it could have, it could have turned out a lot different. I know I was, I guess, being spoiled by the NBA. If I started my career overseas, I would have went into it, you know, and appreciated a lot more. Because, like in Europe, I didn't like Europe. I wasn't trying to be over there for ten months, practicing two a days um, all year, and playing the way they play. But a lot of guys go over there and get them good situations in Europe. And they love it, and they spend their whole career there. But the team I went to was in a bad city. It was a, um, the it was a first year coach there. Again, I keep getting stuck with these guys. 
not a first. It was the first time coaching a team that big. He coached before, but mm-hmm. not a team that big. And um, he cared about soccer more than he cared about basketball. And that was a bad situation. So the guys were just saying, man, nah, man, I'm telling you, man, Europe, Italy was where I went. Italy was nice. You just was, you know, it was in a, it's in a bad place. And I just, even in China, I'm in a bad city. If I'm in Shanghai, in Beijing, I probably would have been cool because, you know, they got good food stuff there. They got, they were very Americanized. And I just was in them bad cities because, you know, them bad cities probably got to pay you more because they're in them bad cities. So I'm in the bad cities chasing the money and had bad experiences. So I'm, I'm writing them places off. So I started to really go more South America, where it's warm at. Um, and, and during the winters, I can be somewhere warm and practicing once a day and enjoying them to play basketball. And really, those weren't the most respected places. Yeah. Right. But, you know, they they chained me and I'm playing basketball and then, sitting, and then going to the beach after. Right, right, right. If you could go back now at the, your, your age now and you could tell your 19-year-old self something about preparing for your NBA career and just life as a whole, what would you tell yourself? At 19? Um, don't take it for granted because you never know when when it could be taken away because I never, I thought I'd still be in the NBA now. I'm almost 40 years old playing. I never thought it would end. And at the age, you don't think it's going to end. It's like, even even when I was um, when I, after Max Sand, when I left the Spurs, I'm still like, but even, you know, a few years, even sometimes I look and I'm like, yo, I'm better than this dude right now. Right, literally. right, right. A healthy and shape me is better than a lot of these dudes I see. Mm-hmm. And, but um, you just you just never know when it can be taken away. So you got you can't take it for granted. Now where you're at in life, starting two years ago, I guess, the um, big three comes out of, comes out of like, essentially nowhere. And... Um, just talk about what that experience is in your recruitment of the big three and just where it's gone in such a short period of time, you know, where you got that phone call, the first person who told you about it, and to where you are today with um, big three and as they get prepared for their third season. Um, well, Kenyon had called me one day. And it was like um, he just talked to Ice Cube and Roger Mason. They're trying to do a, a three-on-three league with, you know, all ex-players. And um, I'm gonna be one of the captains. You know, I'll let you know more about it when I know what you went to us in. I go, yeah, sounds cool. So as, you know, decided to get more and more real, you know, so Kenyon, you know, he was like, yeah, they, so they gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? I talked to him, they gonna pick these, um, these captains, and you know, we just gonna pick out our team. And, you know, you, me, probably could pick up Al Harris and try to get killed with the Rangers and just, yeah, I gotta get a few more players. I'm thinking he just gonna be able to just pick his team. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that's what it is. So I'm like I'm playing with Kenya. So I guess they're looking for more more um more captains or whatever. So then, you know, I heard they was um they was talking to Allen. Allen Iverson. Yeah, so they was mm-hmm. talking to AI. So AI wasn't sure if he was gonna do it or not. Um, I guess they, you know, kept putting the pressure on him. And he last minute decide, okay, I'm in, I'm gonna do it. So he was like, Yeah, I'm on, you gonna be with me. And I'm like, you know, Chuck, you might do it, but I already told Kenyon, I'm playing with Kenyon. So he telling me again, he, he did like five times. I tried to tell him no five times, like I'm not, I already promised Kenyon, I'm gonna be on Kenyon's team, whatever. So then I guess they started to add more rules in the play. Now the captains pick a co captain. So, um, you know, AI came to me, he was like, um, you're going to be with me? He was like, man, Kenyon. I said, nah, bro, play with Kenyon. I ain't going to back out on that man when I told him I'm going to be with him. That's my brother, too. And he said, man, he, he picked Al as his, um, captain. as his captain. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. No, I, wasn't, I wasn't mad at it. Right, right, <laughs> but, right. I mean, I didn't even know, like, at this time, you know, you're picking co-captains and all that. So I was like, man, he said, I'm just going to make, make you my, my co-captain, whatever. I said, man, you talk to Kenyon about that because I told that man, he was like, I'm just going to pick you. Like, if I make you my, my co-captain, like, ain't nothing, 
know what I'm saying? You can do about it. Right. And I was like, man, talk to Kenyon about that because, I mean, my, I'm loyal to my boy or whatever. So he was like, cool, I'm going to talk to him. So then he was like, oh, yeah, I talked to Kenyon, you know what I'm saying? You know, you, you my co-captain. So I'm like, cool. I called Kenyon. You talked to Chuck? Nah. <laughs> I, said, I, I was about to. I was about to say. <laughs> oh man! I said, man, Chuck. Um, he said he was gonna talk to you. You know, he kept asking me to play on his team, but I told him I'm playing on your team. And um, he said he was gonna talk to you. He's he making his co-captain or whatever. And Ken was like, cool, man. Sure, that's good. You know what I'm saying? Go get your. You know what I mean? Get your money. You make you a co-captain. That's good. Go ahead. Good. No tryout. No nothing. Nah. But you, yeah. But I didn't even know they was even have a trial okay. this time. Right. So, so that's how I become the co-captain of his company. Um, I didn't really know what that entailed. Until I didn't know they were gonna have a draft. I didn't know that that island wasn't gonna like do, do anything. It didn't work. <laughs> so, so then we got a draft coming. I'm like, okay, now we got to draft the rest of the team. So we go to the um, AI don't show up for the draft. Or the combine. And, and, yeah, at the combine. Right. And, and everybody else got their captain, their co-captain, their coach. He's the coach and the captain. So him not showing up leaves me alone. So here I am at the combine. I got to draft this team by myself. No help at all. Everybody got three people that's looking at all the players. And you know, writing down names and saying who they gonna draft. I'm there by myself, like this dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I, I picked the team. Mm -hmm. I was happy with the team. Um, so now they they don't know. I'm thinking Allen's really not gonna play. You know, the team I draft gonna play. He's just gonna basically coach. So um, they wanted to play. Mm -hmm. So he like down, he feel the pressure, he got to play. He hasn't really been working out like that. So he gets out on the court, he's hurting us. They going right to the post, right to the post. But then we come on the game, the fans just call it for him and all that. And um, so he he he, he kind of, he, he helped the league tremendously. Every jersey you've seen was an AI jersey. Just his presence somewhere is, is, is big. But on the court, they, they, they attack him. It's three on three. His game is five on five, up and down, using the speed. Mm -hmm. And that, that, the three on three didn't really, you know, help him. So he kind of hurt us, you know, in the beginning by playing. And then fast forward to season two. Then, then go, go season two. <coughs> he, um, so, okay, he's, he said, I ain't playing this shit. I'm not playing. I'm not even giving him the illusion that I'm playing. So, um, I'm just going to be the coach. So by me doing all the work, the first year, anyway, I um, I talked to you know Jeff, Ice Cube's partner, and was like, "Well, I needed to be the captain of this team. Mm -hmm. It's already my team." And he knew that already because even one of the times when, when AI didn't show up, I had to coach the team. And um, I'm like, "I've already done the job." Right. And Jeff was like, "I agree. You're right. You're mm -hmm. the captain." And then I became the captain, and um. Yeah, I was gonna be the coach. He he brought on uh, MQ, brought on Baron Davis. Mm -hmm. um, I brought in Drew Gooden and then drafted the rest of the team, and that's basically how I became the captain. And I and it was funny because I I love I love that role because that's what I was trying to do anyway. I've already been through two drafts. That's gonna go on my resume when I'm you know trying to be a, in the front office of an NBA team. I've already I mean I got to decide who plays. You know, every week, which is an easy thing, as, as you know, being there, when you put somebody on reserve, <laughs> they, don't, they don't like it at all. Um, I'm getting, you know, phone calls and guys mad, like I'm taking money out of their pocket, but I'm really just trying to do what's best for my team. And all that's been a, a really good learning experience. I've actually taken on the role as like the, the GM captain more so than playing. When I first, you know, was going to play, I'm like, man, I'm about to kill this league just from a playing perspective. Mm. But then when I realized all the all the um the obligations I had, the jobs I had to do as the captain by myself, I kinda took on that role more. I took pride in drafting good players and um and I think I've done a good job of that. 
just from that first call where Kenyon said, hey, Cube's got a little something to where we are today. Did you even think that, that this, like, when Q, when Kenyon called you, did you think it was this serious or it would be this big? Or, you know, where, where, just think about where, where the league has gone in such a short period of time. No idea. I had no idea what, what to expect. Um, with Ice Cube on it, I would think it would be something, something pretty cool. Didn't think we would be playing in NBA arenas. Like, that first week in New York, Last we, season, right? No, season one. Season, season yeah, one yeah, in New York, that, right? With them, almost sixteen thousand people in there, it was surreal. Yeah, I was, I was telling Roger, who was the commissioner at the time, like, oh man, y'all, y'all did it for real, right, right, right. And and every, every, and every, every week we playing against, um, not playing against, we're playing in in these arenas that's got. 12,000, 14,000. The probably the worst we had was probably nine, ten thousand, which was in Lexington. And these people are coming out. And, you know, the, the game, the game is, you know, is a little different. We used to going up and down, it's physical, more physical. We had to change some things with the game and the rules and, you know, to get on the refs about how to call the game and stuff like that. But it's been a great experience and really was more great. <coughs> was the best part about it, a lot of guys, you know, thank you just being around the guys every week, getting getting to know I me, mean, dudes who you didn't you had to play against all your career, who you didn't play on the team with, and you get a chance to know these guys and be around legends. You know, Dr. J and Iceman and Rick Berry and Gary Payton, the guys who you grew up watching. Now you got relationships with these dudes, and you know, even like Ice Cube. You know, I, I mean, I could just pick up the phone right now and call Ice Cube if I wanted to. Um, and we all have that relationship and building them relationships and a camaraderie around the guys has been, is, is really, you know, what's fun in the summer. And for your regular, I would say you're, the, when you're not during the summer, you are back at University of Cincinnati or, uh, where you went to school. Mm-hmm. You are coaching and you're doing, what's that like being, what you know now, going back and, you know, you see these guys and, the, <laughs> You know, these players, I know you told me about how, you know, some of the players don't even know who you are or what you are and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So just how is that like being back on the other side now, being a, being a coach, and a, a coach's assistant or, or uh, what's your title? Uh, I'm an undergraduate assistant. Undergraduate cause assistant, sorry. Because I'm finishing school too. Right. So, um, no, it's fun, man. It's, I like being around, you know, the guys every day. And they really, and they really, they really respect me. Um, I've been to where they want to go and... You know, I'm, 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 I'm cool. I'm like a, a big brother to them dudes, you know. I let, you know, Coach Cronin gets on pretty hard and I just kind of, you know, play the good cop and just tell them what I think they need to do and just treat, treat them like little brothers, you know. Basically, they, you know, they come to me to, come to me a lot, you know, with stuff. And um, the being in school part is, um, <laughs> is, 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 the, is the hard part. You know, I had a lot, I had a lot to make up. I basically had to start over. Mm-hmm. You know, most people when they go back to school, it's like okay, they finished one year, or right. maybe after their senior year, they went right to the NBA. They didn't finish the last few classes. I had to basically start over. So um, that's been the, the the biggest adjustment for me is you know being back in school and and luckily they're all online. I don't have to you know be the old guy in class, but um, <laughs> the work the work still got to get done. Right. So what's next for Demar Johnson? Um, I'm not sure. I'll be finished school in April, and then after that, I just got to see what opportunities are there. Um, I just want to do something in basketball. Um, I Hold on, let me stop you right there. You just said I'll be finishing school in April. Mm-hmm. Has that sunk into you? Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, but you know how I am. I'm cool about everything. Um, once, once, once I get there. That um, another accomplishment that nobody can take from me. <coughs> Where will that rank in your life accomplishments? I don't know. I gotta go through the moment first. Something you're looking forward to? Yeah, and it's and really something that I mean I can, and I do. I tell my you know my kids you know my my son who doesn't love school you know that much. My daughter's a straight A student, but I'm telling him I'm like I'm you know 38 years old. And I'm back in school. I'm doing the same thing you're doing. And if I can be on the dean's list and focus and, and do this work, then so can you. I mean, your mom's a college graduate. 
I'm going to be a college graduate. You know, you got you got you got people you can look up to and learn from. Okay, so go ahead. After that, so you say you graduate in April. Graduate in April, and then I just gotta you know see what opportunities I have. Um, um, rather, it's still at my school with my coach. You know, want to bring me on. You know, at a at a assistant position or another college want to bring me on um, or NBA front office or coaching or whatever as long as it's around the game of basketball okay so it looks like the doors you got plenty of options open you will be playing next year again in the big three mm -hmm. looking okay. forward to that okay and long term you would like to be you said I heard you say earlier you, you would like to do some GM work yeah I, ultimately I will probably want to be in the front office I like um Putting, putting putting teams together. I like scouting players. Um, I like coaching them too, but I, like this year, like my coach wanted me to, wanted me to be more vocal with them. And I'm still not the guy that's, you know, talking in front of the whole team and screaming and yelling at guys. I'm more of a go up to them personally, put them to the side. Yo, you need to do this, do this, and do this. So I haven't, I haven't really got all the way in coach mode yet because I'm still, I'm still in player mode. Right. But when it comes to like, you know, like like what I'm doing in the big three, like scouting these players um, and, and, and putting them on my team and drafting them, that's that's fun for me. You know, I'm making I'm making calls to guys, old teammates. You know, how did he look last year? And I'm looking at old video of him, and I, I took it seriously. I know a lot, a lot of them other guys. They 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 didn't even look at the video of some of the guys sent there that were trying to get drafted that wasn't able to be there. They picking up their friends. Mm. And I'm like, I'm trying to pick up the best players. You know, two years in a row, I pick up players who don't nobody know who both of the guys end up being, you know, top players in the league. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. All right, well, tomorrow, I appreciate you uh, taking out the time to talk to us and to, I hope that everybody out there gets to hear your story. It's a, um, incredible story and um you are very uh cool and very uh nonchalant about a lot of things but you've done a lot man and um making i always say you know my biggest thing with you and that i've always say when when bragging on my friends because i brag about my brother um a lot of people make that it's, it's so hard to make the nba once and you made it twice and that's like that's that's pretty impressive you know what i mean um and that's the story out there that people should be able to you know inspire and that, um, you know, they told you that you might, might not walk again and you just, you didn't let them tell you what you can and can't do in terms of that. And to you, it was, um, like I said, you, to you, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but that is, that is a very big deal. And they've never, a lot of people have given up for a lot less, you know, and you kept pushing through that. And I think that people need to hear that and, and know that, you know, that you can't just keep pushing through that stuff. And that's, and that's a lot, and you have accomplished a lot. And then also, Again, that's why I had to stop you. You said, you know, I graduated in April. And you said it like it was nothing. Um, that's not nothing. <laughs> Say everything like it's nothing. Yeah, but that, that, that's not nothing. And, and I don't want to sit up here and celebrate your athletic achievements and just gloss over your academic achievements because, um, you know, financially that wasn't really necessary for you to go back and get to education. But it was something that you wanted to do. And um, like you said, a lot of people have to... Um, it's different for a lot of former players that so you have to go back to school. You didn't really go back to school. You started school. <laughs> right? So we're not talking about, oh, you know, I got nine more credits and then I'll have my college degree. Might as well pick that up. You literally at the age of 34, 35, whatever, said, I'm about to go tackle these 120 credits. And um, and you're almost done. And again, as a proud brother, I'm proud of you. That's, that's, that's a big accomplishment. And, um, and you did that. And I think that's also inspirational to a lot of people out there that's just never too old to go back to school. And um, if you start something, you should finish it. And um, I, I think, even knowing you, while you sit here and you say it's not a big deal, and I plan on being there that day, I think you'll think it's pretty cool when you walk across that stage and you hear your name like that. It might not quite be shaking David Stern's hand, but I, I, I think you'll think to yourself, like, wow, it's kind of cool. I graduated college. So again, I appreciate you taking out your time to join us on the show. Um, it was a pleasure having you. And again, thank you everybody out there for tuning in, listening to Jamar Johnson's story on the Let's Wrap uh, podcast. And make sure you check us out next time and see who the next guest is. Appreciate it. And everybody have a good day. Thank you.